Let's Get Two presents... Five, four, three, two, one... Pitch is lifted to right by Cassianos. Long run for Tucker over toward the line and foul territory. Makes the catch and the Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champions. And now, go, go Astros. Astros baseball from three guys who've been there since Art Howe had hair. Good morning, Astros fans. And yes, it's a good morning because... We have some of the best people in the world that are also fans of the best team in the world. Uh, Andy Tom Cheston, who's looking around. Andy believes this morning, don't you, buddy? I mean, I have I have merchandise to say, I believe, but yeah. that's about it. I think that's all that matters. Uh, and in coming to you from Philadelphia now, as he works his way, uh, I guess, down Independence Trail, Brian Arbor is here. Brian, how are you? I'm good, and I'm trying to adapt the attitude of uh, one of the uh, park rangers at uh, Independence Hall yesterday, which we went touristing on, who saw me in an Astros shirt and said, man, Astros have a good team every year. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, well, we're going to get to – yeah. It, it should also be noted that Brian is in the one city in the NL East that hasn't indicted the uh, former president, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, Philadelphia. Get with the, get with the program. Um Philadelphia did defeat him in 2020. So, you know, there you they, uh, really, I was disappointed that Biden didn't come to celebrate here with Gritty and that guy who said he caught passes better than Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I did like how you mentioned, Justin said you were in the home of the National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies. You know, yeah, they, they had a really good, uh, really good run through the playoffs last year. It's uh, something worth remembering. They do. They did and they do. Uh, so, guys, I ended up catching in random for some random reasons a couple of clint eastwood movies over the weekend uh, jessica's doing corporate taxes which means my job is to sit there and answer questions which means i get to pretty much watch what i want to on tv and it got me thinking about um the epic western by the way clint eastwood was a much better western actor than john wayne you can message me all you want i will die on that hill but good the bad the ugly and there was good this weekend, and I wanted to start off with some good to be a little positive. Uh, Jose Altuve uh, set all kinds of paces with his 2000th hit. I think he's the fastest Astro to get there, the third total, and the fastest player in Major League Baseball history to get 2,000 hits, 200 doubles, and 200 home runs. Is that right? Is that the the, the correct stat? One of those stats. Anyway, Andy, thoughts on uh, on is he the greatest Astro of all time and just what this pace has been like? I mean, it was a very Altuve moment because he got thrown out um, doing something stupid on the base pass after he, after he got his single. So, uh, which seemed to be the theme of the day. I know that's not what we're talking about yet, but uh, <laughs> it's what should be one of the first big counting stats for him in what should be a Hall of Fame career. Um, 
I think 3000 is going to be a challenge. I don't want to really frame this in what he's not going to do, but for what he came from, it's a fantastic story for a guy that was kicked out of a tryout camp twice, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, had to beg to get a third chance, uh, was told throughout every level of the minors. Yeah. You're a cute story, but it's not going to work once you move up to the next level. And he kept moving up to the next level. And once he got to the major leagues, it was, you're never going to be able to field the position. You're not going to be able to hit enough to stick, uh, enjoy, you know, your, your time in the show, but that's going to be about it. And to sit here, 12 years later, because uh, I think he made his debut debut in 11, uh, if I recall correctly, um, sitting over 2,000 hits and having an outside chance to reach 2,000, but certainly with good health and a little luck, we'll get to 2,500. Um, you know, can't predict the future, but uh, it's a big deal. And the only other people who – only other players who've reached this milestone in the Astros franchise history – are both in the Hall of Fame, um, and that's Craig Biggio, Biggio and Jeff Bagwell. You're so, you're a general he's manager. In good company, Jeff Bagwell. Um, he's, he's in good company. Brian, uh, overall, your thoughts on it? And um, I just thought he was going for a Craig Biggio impression when he got the 2000th hit. I didn't know that he was. I don't know that he necessarily made a base running error. He's just he being postmodern. He slowed down before he got the second. He's not it. Don't excuse it. It's he he can't run the bases. And you're if, you're gonna he, a, if you're going to make a case for why he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, it's his inability to smartly run the bases. Brian, uh, yeah, the Spanish word for uh, toot bland turns out to be Altuve. Um, something I've <laughs> only learned in the last couple of years, but you know, thank you, Duolingo. Um, it, it, it's a remarkable accomplishment. It is, you know, Altuve is the signature player, obviously of the Astros golden era. And will he be a greater player than Jeff Bagwell in the end? We'll see what he does. He's playing great this year uh, when he's in, when he's in the lineup. So he doesn't show any signs of slowing down as he gets into his thirties. Hopefully he can stay healthier into the future. The other thing, of course, that the, um, that the argument on who's the greatest Astro depends on is how much value you put into 92 playoff games, 425 plate appearances, and 844 OPS, and 23 home runs, which is, I think, the second most all time. Um, you know, I don't know that he's going to get to 79 uh, war like Bagwell has. Um, at the same time, it's a different argument. But again, that argument's really for, you know, his Hall of Fame induction. Uh, right now is... Uh, Altuve is playing very well, and boy, did the Astros uh, could the Astros need uh, have needed that. Yeah, and the, the and, Hall of Fame. Andy, go ahead. I'm sorry, and he and one of the other things Altuve did in the last seven days, I believe, is he passed up Lance Berkman in all-time WAR as an Astro. So he's now solidly in fifth place behind Cesar Cedeno, and realistically could pass him up this year, but probably early next year. Um, so you're talking a top four all-time franchise best players of Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio, Jose Cruz, and Jose Altuve. Um, Altuve probably finishes in the top three, if not top two. Uh, so, I mean, he's, to Brian's point, he's the face of the franchise. Uh, the Astros have tried a number of times to give that title to different guys. Hunter Pence famously wasn't ready for it, um, although the fans all wanted to give it to him. Um Altuve is the guy that they didn't want to give it to, and he he made it his own and kind of took it. Uh, and I don't see anybody taking it from him uh, until he's ready to retire. 
Yeah. And I do think he retires an Astro and I do think, uh, yeah, I do think that, it, it, like you said, what a story. I mean, um, and, and the funny thing is, is, you know, we'll have to debate about the Hall of Fame. And it seems to me just at this point that while while baseball fans haven't forgiven him, the baseball media seems to have disassociated with him with the scandal. And that seems like the first best step to him eventually getting into the Hall of Fame. Look, we know from... Tony Adams, great research, and shout out to uh, shout out to Tony. I think we all follow on uh, X now. I'm supposed to say on Twitter uh, that you know there were three guys who didn't use the system: um, Josh Reddick, Jose Altuve, and Tony Kemp. Who always has my respect because Tony Kemp had just gotten called up from the majors, and like the most respected players in baseball were using it. Um, you know, will that matter? Yeah, I think it will, but it takes a long time to do that, and of course. Part of the reason that fans haven't forgiven the Astros is they thought you were only good because of the cheating. And again, as people have applied Tony's research, they know that you actually don't get that much of a benefit from cheating. It wasn't worth it to do it. And two, but it also means that hey, the Astros haven't been not good. You know, they haven't uh, declined really since that 2017 team. And well, that's what they're not being forgiven for by fans. That's ultimately it. Yeah. All right. Well, Andy, uh, we'll jump with you first on this one. So the bad, the bad was the Astros this weekend. Um, it was the sweep, the starting pitching from the, the arms we're supposed to count on continues to struggle. And it's really embodied in Fromber. Um, the non hitter, notwithstanding, uh, it looks like old Fromber. He's losing his cool on the mound. I, Having been live when he hit, when he hit, for, I forgot who it was with the Rangers, um, and then had the same Marcus, exact kind Marcus of, Simeon, Marcus Simeon. Simeon, and then having done the same thing last night, I don't believe for a second that it wasn't intentional. Um, what is going on with? Because let's be let's be honest, we can talk about all the other elements of the Astros, and we will. If Fromber doesn't go, this team doesn't go anywhere. I have nothing to support my guess on what's going on with Fromber, but my guess is that his techniques for dealing with his stress and anxiety and whatever was happening to him on the mound before he was talking to a sports psychologist famously last year um, isn't working this year. And I think a big part of it's because the pitch clock doesn't allow him to take the breaths and beats that he needs to gather himself pitch to pitch. Um, And I think when, what we saw earlier in Fromber's career when things snowball on him, if things are going well, he's great and he's very even keel, but he was always the guy that one error in the field behind him or one, one bad call could derail him for an entire half inning. Um, And I think you're seeing it now because he's just not focused the way he needs to be focused. His stuff is still great. He's not, uh, it's not a situation where he's forgotten how to pitch. It's simply a situation where his focus has to be so great and it's not great right now. Um, and he's admitted to that. Like that's not the, the, the focus part is not you pulling out of your butt. He said several times I wasn't focused. But, and the problem for me there is, I don't know that that's a problem you fix this year. I think it's fixable. I, I think that if he has, found value in having a sports psychologist and having whatever mental routine and mental uh, tools he needs to combat his issues. They can teach him to do it quicker, but I don't think that gets fixed between now and the end of September 
which is a big problem for the Astros because you've built your rotation around him being the guy. So I don't know what can happen, what needs to happen. His security blanket of Martin Maldonado, his uh, the way that he is pampered by and pumped up by Dusty Baker doesn't seem to be helping. So I don't know that there's an answer. Um, I don't know that it's a matter of throwing a pitch less or more or in different situations. I think it is simply he's got to find something inside his brain that helps him calm down during an appearance. And I wish there was an easier answer. I wish it was stop throwing curveballs on a 2-2 count. That would be great that you could do that. Um, I don't think there's – I don't know that there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel with him. Having said that, his next start could be a no-hitter because he has that kind of stuff a lot of times in the course of a season. Um, I, I would be happy with just a quality start. I want that guy back from last year where the string of quality starts kind of cemented him as one of the premier starters in the league, and he's not that this year, certainly not in the second half. Yeah, Brian, what do you think? I'll argue a little bit against the psychology mostly because – he adapted really well to the pitch clock in the first three months of the season. And so, yeah, there probably is something to this is sort of snowballing on him and certainly, you know, throwing at Caballero and, and more importantly, maybe didn't throw at him, but like, you know, basically his thought was Caballero is a rookie and therefore he's not allowed to complain about getting hit, which is in general a baseball thing that I really hate that you can only care about things when you're a veteran. <laughs> Um, you know, there's a sliding scale on when morality matters. Um, anyway, um, but you know, the bigger thing with Fromber is he's not getting as many ground balls in recent weeks. And so, yeah, I mean, I noticed that, uh, I, you know, again, I was at the Rangers meltdown and before the meltdown happened, you could see it coming because mm-hmm. he had one strikeout and I think five relatively deep fly balls for the, I mean, for the first six outs of the game and none of them were ground balls yeah and so that may suggest it's something more mechanical how to fix that i'm not a pitching coach and they shouldn't hire me as one so they also shouldn't fire the current one but whatever you know uh i noticed some people saying they should fire some coach or the other i'd like to note that worked out really well for the yankees so far this year so uh maybe think about that one a little bit more uh but anyway um yeah I think it could be something. I think it could be more mechanical than it is mental. Undoubtedly, there's something mental to it, right? Because he's not in a good, happy place. But you know, part of that is, uh, you know, none of us are after this weekend. We also saw it too. Uh, we'll start with Brian on this one. We also saw it. We've also seen it with Hunter Brown, and I think the Hunter Brown thing is probably easier to explain. That um, while he might also have some of those same frustrated moments because he is in fact a rookie, he's also now pitched more innings. Than he's ever thrown we could be seeing some fatigue there but and i and i hate to get to this old should dusty have done this or that but should dusty have had a quicker hook yesterday knowing that a sweep to a, to the mariners was a i mean honestly a less than ideal thing um obviously if you look at the game itself probably so they could have used obviously they lost by one run uh managing is about sort of the long term and i am frequently critical i would say mildly so of dusty for not having a quick enough not having a quick enough hook but that's usually in the fifth or sixth inning when you know you can get a regular amount of work out of your bullpen less so yesterday where you know 
you know, I really like to get out of at least the third inning with this guy. Yeah. Um, here. So I, I'm less critical of that. Um, that because again, they're sort of longer term things and they're in this stretch where they don't have an off day for a while. So that to me is a little more understandable than Dusty's constant ins insistence that he should use the hundred pitch mark rather than the third time through the order to tell him when to go to the bullpen. Uh, Andy, um, was the mistake not pulling Hunter Brown quick enough, or was it in the game that you had already clawed your way back into going with Mashinsky instead of clearly you were comfortable with using Stanek in that inning? I mean, I, I don't know that it's a mistake. We just got beat. We just got beat all weekend. So I don't know that. I, I, I think a lot, a lot of, like a lot of people, there's just a lot of guessing and supposition right now. The Astros are just playing bad baseball and when you play bad baseball, everything gets magnified. If the Astro played better defense, if they hit better situationally, if the lineup was set up differently, if Tucker Brown didn't, or excuse me, Tucker Brown, uh, Kyle Tucker didn't get the um, stomach shits this weekend. I mean, all of it is. The bubble guts? All of it is just everything bad that can happen is happening. Thank God nobody's gotten injured because that would just be icing on the cake, but that's kind of, Everything is just kind of snowballed. And the nice thing about that is you can get out of it pretty easily yep. by starting to play better baseball. For me, it's got to start with defense because defense helps your pitching. Um, it takes it, you know, puts less pressure on those starters to be perfect. Um, I think if you're playing good defensive baseball, it carries over to the offensive side because hitters have more confidence. That's certainly the case with a guy like Jeremy Pena and a few others in our lineup. When they're going good defensively, they tend to go a little bit better offensively. Um, but there's just – there's no one aspect of the game that we're playing well in right now. Right. And, um, and yeah, there's several brain farts on defense for sure. And, and nobody was there at this point on Thursday. Thursday we were all in a pretty yeah. good mood. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's been a bad three days out of six months months um and there's been other bad days and i wanted to belittle yeah that this season hasn't exactly gone the way we want to but i think we might be to the point of worrying about where we need to be from a playoff perspective than worrying about trying to get the division the division's still gettable but we've dug ourselves a pretty big hole with health and performance this weekend and a few other series here and there that were winnable um well, unfortunately, week, the fortunately this the weekend whole, would have felt a lot. This weekend would have felt a lot better if you had won the JP France game, for instance. Yeah, you could and, deal and, with the other two games. And you know, to quote my favorite movie of all time, the the hole really right now is all psych psychological because really the hole uh, didn't get any deeper because the Rangers also fell flat on their face. Um, look, now we'll go to the ugly. And one of the we had gotten a comment on the episode on one of the platforms. I can't remember which one that felt like we were oftentimes too focused on the negative of Astros Twitter. And at it, it first, I agreed. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired of talking about it too. And then I kind of remembered, well, that part of our position as this show is the fact that we really are a much more anti um, or, or the antithesis of how, that, how the fan base tends to react in a knee-jerk fashion. And I am going to bring up the ugly as our fans because the number of people who have already seeded the division to the Mariners of all people, um, it's just been pretty, pretty gross. Andy, we'll go with you first. 
Um, I, I'm not a fan of our fan base. I, I don't, and maybe, you know, I didn't see that comment. It probably was directed at me a lot because I have a lot to say about it. It is amazing to me. And it's just not the way I learned to watch baseball. So it may just be my old man shouting at clouds moment, but I don't understand how you go pitch to pitch. Like it, like a knife is going in you every time one of those at bats doesn't work out the way you want it to. And that's what it feels like reading Astros Twitter during a loss. Um, these same people are super pumped up whenever they win. So it's the, I, I may be following the wrong people. Um, having said that, the merger the the loss of the Texans and the fact that the Cowboys don't necessarily perform well in the playoffs have driven <laughs> a lot of fans to Astros baseball. And there's a lot of football fans watching baseball that very much don't understand the point that Brian made earlier that managers and players are playing a season for the long term. This isn't a 16 or 17 game season anymore. This is 162 games. You don't right. play everybody every game. Because if you do, you're looking up in August and September with 26 guys with completely empty gas tanks. And I <laughs> right. know there's, I know there's some teams that are. We play our four stars every day. You go look at the Braves, and yeah, they've got four guys that are playing every game. That's not normal. That 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 is what I would say is an exception to what you would normally see. The Astros tried to do that under AJ Hinch, by the way. And in 2015, they were winning the division, tried to play every game like it was a playoff game, lost the division, made the wild card team. The next year, they tried to do the same thing. And in 2016, didn't make the playoffs. In 2017, um, A.J. Hinch started liberally substituting people and giving people days of rest, which we're not going to talk about because A.J. Hinch is now a hero again for a lot of our fan base because he's not Dusty Baker. Uh, and there were the same complaints on all of the social media platforms about not playing guys enough. Um, the reality is the Astros have been in the, the team they have been for the last six or seven years because they do rest their players and they do not push inning limits and they do uh, respect a guy that's only caught 48 games in his minor league career or 53 games in his minor league career um, that they're bringing somebody along slowly. Uh, fans don't see that. They don't like it. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we would hope it would. Yeah. Um, but there is a method to the way the Astros do things and it doesn't line up with going out full bore. Like every game is game seven of the world series. Brian, um, I want you to add on to that, but also with, I mean, I think part of the space we've carved out, out of this fan base is this is a show for, I guess, people who've been Astros fans for longer than seven years and um, people who really do understand the game of baseball. And I think part of it is, we have to acknowledge the fact that we have a relatively immature um, knee-jerk fan base, and I think it's okay to draw that distinction, but wanted you to sort of chime in on what Andy had said. Yeah, two points here. One is, I suspect what people say on Twitter is no different than what our father said at some bar. Or on the sports talk radio. Yeah, 1988 or sports talk radio, and our grandfather said at their bars in 1958 or whatever team they, you know, since the Astros didn't exist then, but, you know, sort of whatever that is, it's just a different format, and probably people are just as drunk then as our, you know, uh, as they were back then. Uh, while saying that, uh, some of the experience of sports, right, is the emotional attachment to it. Part of why I like baseball is, and, and that's part of why I love college football, right, is that every game truly does matter and a loss truly is a disaster. Um, baseball is the opposite. And the Astros lost three games this weekend. That sucked. It leaves them 
still in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. It leaves them ahead of the Mariners. A friend text a friend texted to our group chat, you know, the real big series this weekend. And my reaction, like I should have replied this. Like, no, it's not. Because even in the worst case scenario, and we're in the worst case scenario, again, that sucks. But the worst case scenario is they're still in the playoffs. They have to outplay some teams over the next set of over the next set of games. They are fortunate that the Rangers also had a bad weekend and they didn't lose any ground to them. They can still they can still achieve things, including. You know, again, the Mariners are a little bit closer, but they're ahead of them and they can move things. They can move things along. Bad weekends happen. Bad three game series happens and they happen all the time. Remember last year when we got swept in Oakland? I remember we got swept in Oakland in 2017, too. Yeah. yeah and uh, both of those were very unpleasant. And, you know, when they didn't get swept in 2017 or 2022, October. So this is me keeping my fingers for like better to get swept now than it would be in October. And again, this team, like I can look at the fan graphs out today, there were over 80% chance of getting to the playoffs. Is that down? Yeah, it's down because I think it was over 90 last week, but it's still, they are, you know, almost certain to get to the playoffs. They do need to turn this around, but hey, the nice thing about baseball, particularly ahead of football, is they get to play tonight. And they get to, they win tonight. We're all going to feel a little bit better here. What are their chances of winning tonight? They do pretty well against the Red Sox. So I like their chances. Yeah, Andy, I, I just feel like, um, not that I would, wouldn't want to use the phrase culture war, but I do think it's fair that, you know, you and I in particular, and I know Brian does this too, but we engage with a lot of fan bases that are not the Astros. And it's sort of, at least for me, it is, it's, 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 I guess sort of embarrassing to see as many of our fans just jump off the counter, off the the bridge. I uh, Michael Schwab shared a schedule breakdown, and any any neutral person clearly looks at the Astros' path overall is an easier path. The Mariners' path is immediately very easy and then incredibly difficult at the end. Yet the number of people that were seeding the division, it's just, I guess, as former military guy Andy, I can't imagine that guy in a foxhole with me. Here's a principle about lots of things, including particularly about baseball. Just because things are going in one direction doesn't mean they will stay one direction. Just because the Astros have lost the last three doesn't mean they're going to lose all the rest of their games this season. If you felt that way this weekend, fine. Like, that is completely understandable. But, you know, as Fromber Sports Psychologist would tell you, you know, take a deep breath, think about things a little bit more here. And, hey, you know, they'll probably win some games here coming up soon. The Mariners will probably lose them. Andy, I cut you off. I apologize. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I can look at the schedule and see that we still have nine games against the Royals and the A's. I don't think the Rangers or the Mariners have nine games against the Royals and the A's. So um, that alone is you know part of the strength of schedule deficit that we've been talking about most of the season because uh, both teams that we are now in a division hunt with um, – got some of those games earlier under their belt than the Astros did. So ultimately you still have to win the games, so they need to start winning games tonight. Um, they need to take a good chunk of these next, uh, what do we have, seven of the next 10 against the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox are yes, I know. still, still. yeah, I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, apologies to your wife. Uh, I, I, you, you, you've got to take, you know, four or five of those at the very least um, you'd like to do even better than that, but you've got a lot of teams that are 
either close to being out of the race or out of the race left in the remaining uh, 40 or so games that the Astros have, 39 games, whatever it is. Um, so in, in that respect, things line up. But I'm of the opinion that this team has constructed if they're playing their best baseball, it doesn't matter who they're playing. The problem is they're not playing their best baseball. Right. And, and they, they can have, control that. It, I think you can control defense. I don't think we have players that are defensively challenged outside of first base. Yeah. Well, but and I, I'll say this before our before our next topic, um, and we'll start with Andy on that. But if there's a fan base in Texas that should have a knee-jerk reaction over a three-game series, it is in Arlington and is not in Houston because at least – there, are, there have been many, many ways the Astros have made it to the ALCS in the last six years. We can look at 2020. We can look at 2019. Um, this is a team that does pretty well with its back against the wall. Andy, you had a final thought on that? But that colors the whole thing. We're in second place. If we were in first place four games up, we wouldn't be – our fan base would not have nearly the consternation and gear grinding that they're doing right now about what's going on. Yeah, there'd be chirping because we just got swept but the issues were in second place and most of our fan base has not seen second place outside of 2020 since 2016. Yeah. I mean, you're right. That's a long time to not be in second place or not. Okay. Be in first place. I know that I think we went to Andy first, most of the show, but I want to go with Andy first on this one again, because I'm curious as to how both of you will answer. It's better uh, that Brian goes last. Anyway, he's smarter than I am. <laughs> um, look, the Astros had a team meeting. Um, led by Maldonado, people, of course, were dissing the fact that Maldonado should have benched himself, which I don't understand that idea. But uh, do team meetings in baseball work? I think they work in football, but do they work in baseball, Andy? If the result's good, they work. If the result's bad, they didn't work. That's th that's the reality of it, because there's a lot of times that teams have meetings that you don't ever know about. Um, the most recent example of the Astros having a team meeting that went well is Michael Brantley gathered the team together after game four or three of the world series, yeah, the first game in Philadelphia, and they went out and threw a no hitter the next night. Do those things have any correlation at all? Probably not, but it's a great story. If it works, if not, it's just more fuel for the fire for the fan base. Um, the fact that Martin Maldonado led or spoke during said meeting is just, again, our, our fan base being immature babies about, uh, we don't like this guy, so he shouldn't talk. Um, and it's a lot of what I would guess is people who have never played sports, never been in a team environment, whether that's sports or work or whatever, and understand that every person on that team has a right to have a voice on that team. And sometimes your leaders aren't your heroes, if that makes sense. Totally. So sometimes it's not Jose Altuve or Jose or Carlos Correa or Jeff Bagwell leading a team meeting. A lot of times it's the glue guys that are holding the roster together that are the ones that speak up, that get listened to. And we just talked about two of them, Martin Maldonado and Michael Brantley are guys in our clubhouse that do provide leadership. Whether we like Maldonado or not, you don't earn the leadership role by necessarily your performance on the field. It's a lot of how you deal with guys and build relationships, which Twitter is the antithesis for. So I understand why people who live on Twitter don't understand about building relationships. We weren't going to be negative about our fan base anymore, though, so I'm going to stop now. Hey, Brian? Uh, the Yankees had a team meeting on uh, before their game on Saturday, and they pr promptly went out and lost two straight to the Red Sox. So uh, 
what I believe before that and uh, uh, certainly believe now is that Aaron Boone is, is worse at team meetings than Martin Maldonado. So I have more faith in our uh, our people doing that than they do. And was it a players only meeting or was no, it? No, because Boone spoke at it. Okay. We learned yes. about it from Boone telling him about what he telling uh, reporters what he said. Well, I think as we start measuring, it. as we start measuring effectiveness, obviously we need to make a, a, a delineation between player-only meetings and team meetings because maybe one's better than the other, or it's all worthless. <laughs> I guess last thing, real quick before we uh, before we we do our final sign off, we can do a real quick yes or no. Brian, is John Singleton still with the Astros when the season ends? I'm still going to say yes. Andy? Uh, yeah, because I think Abreu's done for the year. I, I think the back issue, it, it, he's he's past his 15-day mark on the IL now, and he hasn't started taking swings, and we're now getting into the point where there is not going to be a minor league season much longer for him to rehab at, and I, I, just, I don't know that he has a spot on a playoff roster if his back's not 100% and he can show they can, you know, swing the bat effectively. So failing that, we don't have another first baseman on the roster. So by default, it's John Singleton. All right. Well, that does wrap up this go-go Astros. And I guess my parting thought will be, you know, streaks are only going to go as long as the next day starting pitcher. And when the guy that's going tonight is on his game, he's really hard to hit. I think that we'll start turning it around tonight. Go Strohs. Hey, the last time we had a team meeting, uh, the next day's pitcher was, same guy, and he had a pretty good game. So go Javier, go Stros. I just hope both teams have fun. Go Stros.